There they go. Half the church is bugging out. They saw their chance and they took it. <coughs> well, good morning. It's uh, a privilege for me to be here this morning to speak to you. Um, Kyle called me was it last night, yesterday. They made it up to Michigan and they were really bummed out that they couldn't go and make Christmas, but they're they're there and they're um, so they made it up there and everything worked out well and. I was teasing him about the fact that last week when he, he said I would be speaking, he called me the lovely John Tullis. I'm like, lovely? And I, I went home and I thought about that. What did he call me lovely for? I, so I said, I'm going to look it up in the Bible. What's lovely? And of course, it was all these women, and this is lovely, and that's lovely. And I'm like, what is he doing? Well, I found a verse. It took a while, but I found it. That, uh, and it's one that I, I don't know why I didn't think of it. But in Isaiah it says, How lovely on the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who announces peace and brings good news of happiness. So if I'm lovely, I guess I'm lovely. I, I don't know what to say. My feet are lovely. I don't want to take my shoes off, but... Uh, well, I know it's coming. Eventually it's coming. You know... Ah. Uh, uh, Flattery will get you everything, I guess. Good morning to those of you online this morning. Uh, actually, those of you online, you're going to be a big part of today's uh, service. I'm going to be speaking directly to you guys as well. And uh, I don't know if there's one person online or 50. I, I have no idea. Uh, but I'm praying that uh, you know some people are online and listening because that's a new part of our world. That's a new part of our church experience. As we integrate in all of this, you know, the digital media and the, uh, the internet and the live experience and, and also the streaming service, you, you know, you can watch church uh, at your convenience, uh, you know, and once it's out there, it, it's there. And, uh, you know, there are so many changes that are taking place in the world, especially here in, in 2020. And I feel like uh, here at the end of, of 2020, I feel like uh, I coach track. I, some of my runners after the end, there's one race in particular in track that is very brutal. And if uh, I was to compare 2020 to a track race, this year would be the 400-meter dash. Uh, it's one long sprint, 400 meters. By the time you get to the end, you're completely out. And a lot of times people will run off the trail, they'll fall down in the grass, and they'll lay there, you know. That's kind of how I feel here at the end of 2020 with all the things that have taken on and have gone on and all the things at school where I work and I'm sure where you work and places in, at home or in your family, you've had to undergo changes as well. Life is totally different these days. And I thought about, you know, what are some things we learned in 2020? If anything good, I guess we, we learned a few things. I learned what six feet is. You know, six feet apart, and uh, you know, I always did like this. You know, well, that's about six. I don't know. I, I learned what it was to have, how important it is to have two weeks worth of toilet paper on reserve at all times. <laughs> I even, it got so bad early in the in the uh, pandemic. I had to buy black market toilet paper from the lady that runs the counter at Office Depot. 
of all places. You know where you go to get your copies made? I'm like, yeah, we're just laughing. I said, you don't have to have any toilet paper in here in the office supplies. And she goes, I got one, one pack, but I'm breaking it down into rolls. So she, I, could, I, I bought three rolls of real tissue fine. I mean, but it was an emergency. So, hey, you do what you have to do. I learned that you can turn yourself into a talking potato while using Zoom. You stand there and look at yourself and you know, all these heads looking at you in return and trying to get used to that. I learned this year that every pastor turned into a televangelist. They're all online now. Every one of them. Uh, people who said they would never, ever do such a thing. Well, they're all online. I mean, Zooming and, and Facebooking and everything. I learned that every single person you know is baking bread. Anybody make the sourdough thing? Anybody get into that? We got into some of that, I remember. I learned that the grocery delivery services are extremely convenient until everyone else also learns they are extremely convenient. That would be Kroger's, any place like that. Now, here's hoping you can survive on peanut butter and a can of tuna until 4 p.m. three weeks from now when your, your order will be, you know. I learned that drive-by honkings are the new birthday parties. You drive by, we actually did that for a, for a lady in St. Paris. That was fun. We learned that doctors and scientists don't know anything. The only real doctor is Dr. YouTube. Get on there and, and, and see what you got. And unbelievable. So I personally am looking ahead to 2021. You know, let's get 2020 out. Let's get 2021 in. Let's see what the new year brings. But I hear a lot of people talking like, you know, hey, 2021, it's going to be better. Well, I, I sure hope so. But I, I don't know. We all know what we want 2021 to be like, but what does the future hold for us? What will happen to us when this pandemic is over? Uh, in my real life, I teach my real life. In my real life, I teach history. And one of the uh, eras that we talk about are the Roaring Twenties. Well, the Roaring Twenties, 1920s, they came about right after the uh, the teens, if you'll recall from your history, we had a uh, world war in there, the Great War, as they called it. We also, in 1918, 1919, and 20, had the great uh, Spanish flu epidemic. What we're going through now, people 100 years ago, were going through the same thing. Different virus, different disease, but this had the same impact. People were dealing with that. So you have this great war, then you have this pandemic. What does history say will happen then once things actually do start to clear up and get better? We'll probably have our own roaring 20s, uh, the roaring 22s, 2022s, I don't know. Uh, but you're, what I think is going to happen, you're probably going to see. Once the vulnerable are fully taken care of, we begin to emerge from the pandemic. I think... Um, as the world starts to emerge out of this, we're going to start to see a boom in consumption and excess like we haven't seen in 100 years. 
I know a lot of people are hoping, well, we'll have learned what it really means to care for your neighbor, and, and we know what it means now to save. And if human nature tells us anything, if history does repeat itself, what we're going to see is people emerge out of this with a huge rush to spend, spend, spend. We're going to go and, you know, all of this is going to be driven by this, you know, for one thing, not a lot of people are out spending, spending, spending right now because they can't because of COVID. But a lot of Americans, I think, are going to break out. And just like in the 1920s, we're going to adopt the live fast, die young kind of mantra. We better get out there fast and live now, gang, because, hey, we could have a war, we could have a depression, we could, uh, another pandemic could strike at any moment. You better live while you can now. And so I really think what we're going to start to see is this, you know, more of a consumerism. We're going to, you know, more so than what we have been. People are not going to be looking forward to the future. It's about now. What can I get right now? And uh, that leads me to church. It leads me to this church. It leads me to what's this church going to be like in 2021 as we move forward? I, uh, one of the things that the other elders and, and I and Kyle have talked about and one of the areas that I'm concerned about is, is our attendance here at church. If you look around, uh, there's about maybe a third of what we normally have. About two-thirds of our church body, they, they no longer attend church. Now, there are very good reasons for that. The pandemic, for one, COVID-19. But there are many other reasons as well. Digital media, new things. I mean, for whatever reason, and it's not just our church. It's the church in general in America. We're seeing a massive drops in attendance at church. And uh, again, being a history buff, I went back to uh, uh, the Church of God has uh, digitized many of the old uh, Restitution Herald magazines. These are all 100 plus years old. And I found one back in uh, 1919. Okay, So we're going back a good 100 plus years. These are Church of God believers, just like us, who were in the midst of a pandemic, just like us, and who were dealing with uh, loss. They were dealing with uncertainty. They had just come out of a war. That reflects in some of the articles. The uh, pandemic, they, they write about some of that in their articles as well. And there was this little blurb and this little column written in the Rest Restitution Herald back in 1919. And in it, it said doctors had discovered a new disease called Morbus Sabbaticus. Morbus Sabbaticus, or Sunday sickness, is a disease peculiar to church members. The attack comes on suddenly every Sunday. No symptoms are felt on Saturday night. The patient sleeps well and wakes feeling well, eats a hearty breakfast, but about church time, the attack comes on and continues until the services are over for the morning. Then the patient feels easy, eats a hearty dinner, 
In the afternoon, he feels much better and is able to take a walk, talk about politics, and read the Sunday paper. He has a good tea, but about church time, he has another attack and stays at home. He retires early, sleeps well, and wakes next morning refreshed and is able to go to work, does not have any symptoms of the disease until the following Sunday. No remedy for it is known except prayer and consecration. Signed, you know, somebody. And, you know, I'm like, 1919, that's, I could pull that out and put that out there today, you know. And I think about it. Uh, for a long time, I suffered from morbus sabbaticus. So I, I kind of understand what the, the writer's talking about here. Um, that trend is practically universal. If you didn't get the sarcasm in it, the bottom line is fewer people are attending church every year. As the years go by, fewer and fewer people, not just in our church here, not just in the church of God, but in the, the church of, of, of our Lord throughout the entire world, people are not attending as they once did. And you might ask yourself the question, if that's the case, you know, and, and really, maybe you've asked yourself this. Why even bother going to church? I mean, think about it. Think of, think of all the hassle you could save. When I was, uh, when Neil and I, when our kids were real little, coming to church was a, man, it was a hassle. Try to get them up, get them ready, get them fed. Try to get me up ready and fed. Try to, out the door we go, fighting all the way to church. And then we get here and you're supposed to be, now everybody... We all love each other, and we're all kind, and we all go to Sunday school and pretend like we're all, you know, and off we go. And there are many, many days where I'm thinking, man, is it really worth it? Because we're going to go to church, we're going to sit there, we're going to sing a few songs, the pastor's going to speak, and we'll all go home. What's the, is it really worth it? You know, there are many reasons, I think, why church attendance is dropping. Of course, COVID is a prime candidate and a prime suspect. And if you're at home thinking, you know what, I'm home because of COVID. I'm not skipping church. I'm not talking to you this morning. Of course you want to be at church. The pandemic is real. It affects families. We, as a church, have had to cancel services to protect ourselves. And we still got COVID. That's the world that we live in, the reality that we're in. So I'm not trying to bash anybody at home. If you're home watching this morning and say, oh, John's going on a tangent, he's yelling at me, that's not the case. Hang in there with me. You know, but I do worry about our church. I worry about our attendance. I'm no longer a, a lay pastor. For whatever reason, they made me an elder, and I wasn't. I didn't know about that, but I came around to it. And I find myself worrying about the church more now than I did when I was a pastor. Worrying about things like, you know, how are we meeting the needs of the people? How can we possibly help those who have unplugged themselves from our church? You know, after all, our church streams our services live online. I can literally watch on any device 
anytime I want. I can watch church on my iPad and my phone. I can, you know, I can watch it anywhere, you know, at any time. Many churches sometimes don't have a great online experience. That's okay, no worries. About a million other churches do. Every church, when the pandemic began, they began to scramble to find ways to serve their, their congregations. How can we do this? How can we? You know, you can access almost any church, anytime, anywhere for free and never leave your home. And I know some families that do that now. That is their church. And I do that from time to time. Uh, you know, according to the Barna Group, which is a group that does a lot of statistical analysis of all kinds of things, including church behaviors, um, about 18% of people who have stopped attending church are viewing multiple churches throughout the month. In other words, they stop coming here, but throughout the month, they're watching other churches on, online. Okay? I do that sometimes. Sometimes throughout the week, I'll pop on. Alan Kane's on there about every day doing something. I'll listen to him for a little bit. I've even dro uh, dropped into Guthrie Grove to your guys' church, and I've watched Andy, Pastor Andy Cisneros, Give a, give a message. And I watch some of that. Just, just, and it's kind of fun to keep up with what's going on. But the point is, I can get a sermon anytime I want. And if that's true, what's happening to the church? I've got a, a graphic up here for you to look at. And this is a graphic about people who have stopped coming to church and have chosen to replace it with an online experience, okay? So if you have stopped coming to church, if you've stopped coming to North Hills, but you still watch church, you get it online. These are some of the behaviors that we're seeing. About 35% of people who have left the church still will watch their, their, uh, their home church. Okay, you're still, you're only attending your pre-COVID church. God bless you. Of all the people that left who are watching online, about 35% of them are still tuning in to us. That's what Barna says. Now, you know, we have a statistically small group. It may be more or less than that. 14% have gone on and switched churches completely. They've moved on. 32% have stopped attending church, period. That means they're not tuning in at all. They've stayed home and not bothering to, to tune in. And then the last group, you're viewing multiple churches throughout the month. You can't get enough of it. So you watch our church, then you watch another church, and just kind of, that'd be like me. You know, just, I like that stuff, so I'm watching different things. Barna estimates that about a third of the attending church has stopped attending with any regularity. That's the church overall. If you look around, about a third or more of our family have, are not here. And again, for that's for a, a multitude of reasons. 
primarily COVID. People don't want to get sick, and I don't blame them. But the fact remains, we have a lot of folks not, not here. If you flip the, the slide, I got one more I want to show you here. Um, this is online church attendance by generation. Okay. And I've got three generations here. I got I got boomers. Way to go, boomers. I mean, I got some of you boomers out there. Kids at school like to tell me that. Okay, boomer. I say, hey, I'm not a boomer. All right. You got it all wrong. I'm a Gen Xer. We're not even oh, I guess I am up there. So Millennials. That's uh, those of you born 1998 and on. So some of you are millennials. You could throw Generation Z in there a little bit. What's interesting is you look at this, as far as people who go online, okay, those of you at home watching online, as far as baby boomer crowd, about 40% stayed here, and about 26% have stopped. Jump and look at the millennials. What we're seeing is that over 50% of millennials have just flat stopped coming to church, either here or we're talking online. We provide the service. you got a million churches in America. They're all online now. Many, many, many millennials have flatly said, you know what, I can miss church, and I don't care. It doesn't matter. Because church does not make a difference to me. It's not a part of what I want to be about. They're like when I was a kid, or excuse me, when well, I guess I was a kid, when we had our kids wondering, is it, is it worth going to church, all this hassle? A lot of young folks, a lot of young people are asking themselves that very question. Is it worth it? Is it worth going? And I wonder... You know, why the, the era of attending church is, is decreasing, trying to think about these things. Generations ago, the church was a social and a cultural hub. Everything happened at the church. Gossip, talk, uh, uh, food, I mean, sharing food, clothing, I mean, needs. It, was, it all happened at the church. For many generations, that's the way it was. For uh, boomers and for those beyond them, church was the place to be. Everything happened there. In addition to faith, people love going to church because it's one of the handful of options available in a community, as well as the main way that you would connect with God. That was the way. I can connect with God Anytime I want, I just pull it up on my phone. What we need is a, a proper perspective, because this isn't bad. This isn't evil. But it, it doesn't replace, I believe, the real thing. So, all that said, as I preach to the choir, I mean, you're all here at church. I mean, what do you got? You know, worry about any of that stuff. When I think about reasons to come to the church, to be a part of church, to be here, or to make sure that you're online and plugged in and being a part, trying to stay involved, 
with the church. And the main reason, and I don't know if it was Kyle that said this or something I heard somewhere. I keep thinking Kyle said it, and I, I wrote it down in my journal. We don't go, we don't attend church. We are the church. There's such a difference there. We don't attend church. Sure, we, we assemble at this building, but we are the church. Okay? Um, one of my best friends, he's a big Marvel nut. He loves uh, superheroes, and one of his favorite uh, movies was, the, was one of the Avenger movies. And at the end, it was the great showdown, and you've got Thanos, and he's ready to blow people up. And you got the Avengers all over here. They've all showed up. And there's a pivotal moment that all fans of the Avengers and Marveldom just couldn't wait for this to happen. Captain America runs down in front of him and he goes, Avengers, assemble. Somebody, somebody had it. Yeah. And everybody went, ah! They all went nuts because you know, he assembled the Avengers and they went and fought and Is the church any different? Sometimes I wish Kyle would stand up here and say, Christians, assemble. You know, and then we all go into you know, whatever. Because if the Avengers would have just sat in the church and in their little superhero hideout or whatever and never actually done anything, nothing would have got done. We don't attend church. We are the church. You know what? Merely attending church doesn't make you much of a church because sitting in a pew consuming church doesn't make you very good at being the church. i got to get my sports analogy in here. You know, it was coming. I always have a football one in here somewhere. Uh, it's like standing on the sideline and never getting into the game. One of the things that always bugged me as a coach was worrying about, now, did everybody get in the game? Did everybody get in the game? This kid down here who never, i got to get him in the game, you know. Because if you're on the team and you stay on the sidelines and you never get in the game, what good are you? I've had kids tell me before, I'm not going in there. <laughs> hey, hey, get in there. I want you to get in there right now. I, said, We're getting, I ain't going in there. And I just take a step back. I'm looking at him like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> You don't want to, I ain't going in there. <laughs> Maybe he was smarter than me. I don't know. He knew, he knew better. I don't know. But I think being the church has something to do with living your life for Christ. It, it's about demonstrating God's love by serving others, sharing your faith with other people. And that's very different than consuming church in a, in a church building or on a device or, or any place else. I can do that on my back deck. But I can't minister to people from there. I can't get involved in the life of people from my living room. I can't use my device to minister to people who are desperately need the love of Christ. All of you here today, all of you watching online, for whatever reason, somewhere, sometime, you were moved from being a consumer of church to being a contributor. 
You don't just want to be served. You want to serve. You'll know them by their fruit, not by what they say, but by what people do. For those of you who need some spiritual meat and not baby food, I I challenge you to think about a scripture from the book of Acts. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 20. And very unusual for me to not have very many Bible um, quotes. This type of preaching that I'm doing this morning is, is... difficult for me. I'm, I'm what you would call an expositor. I like to take the Bible and teach from it. Let it do the teaching. But there are a few verses that I want to look at that I think are important as we think about the church, why we come to church, and what next year is going to look like. Acts chapter 20, verse 28. I'm in a totally wrong place here. Okay, so uh, Paul and, and others are leaving Ephesus. They're, they're you know, goodbye, and, and as they leave, and Paul knew that as he was leaving, he, he was never going to come back to them. And uh, starting at verse uh, at 28, he's given them some warnings, and he says, Be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock. For yourselves and for all the flock among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's talking to the the leaders of the church here. To shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. I've read that a million times and just kind of zipped over that. The church of God as it exists was purchased with the blood of Christ. That's a mortgage we can't repay, people. We talk about the church. How much did it cost for our, uh, to, to redo the church and the addition, and we got all this money, and we're paying down the loan and, and all this, and that's important. That there's a mortgage on this place that we could never repay, and that's the blood of Christ. And I know that all of you here today are here because you recognize that simple fact. This church, North Hills Church of God, was purchased with the blood of Christ. And if we are called Christians, we will honor that shedding of blood together as a church as he intended. I tried to live the Lone Ranger Christian life for a long time. Yeah, I don't need to go to church. I got the Bible. I just read it at home. I'll watch it a little on TV or listen to it on the radio. And I keep in touch with people, and that's good enough. You know, I believed I could get everything I need to be a Christian on my own. And I did not need to be a part of a church body. I couldn't figure out why it was worth it. Why is it worth coming to church? I begin to understand that when we separate ourselves from the church, we're like fruit trying to live off of the vine. You know, fruit's better when it's on the vine. When we were kids, we'd always run up to the apple tree and look and uh, all these apples on the ground. You don't want to eat those worms in them and holes in them and all kinds of nastiness. We'd use those. We'd throw them. We'd 
batting practice with them. We didn't eat them. I mean, that's what a fruit's there for. Jesus mentioned this in John chapter 15. He was talking to the people. And he wanted to make the example. He said, look, I am the, like a vine. And they probably looked at him like, wow, here we go again, Jesus and his stories. And we've got to figure this out. But I love this. Jesus says, I am the vine. And my father is the vine dresser. He's the guy that comes out and takes care of the vine. Great. Where does that leave you guys and me? Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it in order that it may bear more fruit. We're like the vine with the, the fruit hanging on it. If you're not contributing, what's the vine dresser do? Snip, snip. You're not a part of the vine anymore. You're gone. And the fruit is worthless. You're already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now, yeah, he's talking about being a part of the, Jesus, the body of Christ. What is the body of Christ? It's church. We have to be a part of church, in my opinion, or we risk not bearing fruit. Old Lone Ranger John, he didn't bear a whole lot of fruit. I, I was happy that I was a vine that came off that tree, but I'm just an old stick laying on the ground. Useless. I need to be plugged into that vine. I need to be a part of that. I need to be a part of the church. I need to be a part of a church body. Because by myself, I'm worthless. But when I'm with all of you, I can bear fruit for God. I can do His will. I saw the power of the church this last week, and it was a stark reminder to me of why I am a part of the body of Christ. Got the email about Mandy. When I got that email or that text message, it's, I, it scared me. I thought, that's it. And I've been praying for Mandy and Jay and, and the whole family, and the word went out. And I called a few people, and I know some others who called some people. And the text message went out, and then it showed up on Facebook. And I just knew that for a few hours there on that morning, the whole church was praying for her. And I'm not talking about, oh, dear Lord, help her, amen. No, that's good. I mean, people were praying fervently in faith that God would do a mighty work. And guess what happened? She made it through. And she's still fighting today. So I come to church and I wonder what's going to happen. Jay, he comes in the door. He's praising God like I've never seen anybody praise God. He was giving it all up to God. Amen. 
That is why we must be a part of the church. We don't get that at home. We don't get that when we unplug ourselves. And I pray that, that frankly, the two-thirds of us that are gone, for different reasons, and I'm sure there are people some angry at, who are angry at me, but you don't know why I'm there. I can't answer that. All I know is that when we're together, we're strong. We demonstrated that this week. It was a beautiful, horrible moment. But to see the church be the church. This amazes me. You know, it was a powerful thing to see the church of God as it was intended to be. I worry about, in the Bible, there's a... Uh, Jesus himself warned us that, you know, in the end times, in the end days, people will fall away from God. A great apostasy will occur. An apostasy is a rebellion. It's an intentional turning away. I do not want you, Christ. I don't want your church. I got something better here in the world. And off they go. And a lot of folks will do that. And I worry about that, that as we get closer to the return of Christ, we're also getting closer to that time of betrayal and rebellion among God's people in which people will abandon the faith and turn against the church. And it scares me. And I pray that I wouldn't fall for some trick or get moved in some new movement and find myself being pulled away, lured away from the flock. I'm not here to give any advice on how to get people back to church. I'm not here to shame anybody into coming back to church. But as the elder of this church, who's responsible for you, for those of you at home, those of you online, I have to have you here. Be prudent with the pandemic. Do what you have to do. There's no shame in staying home for legitimate health reasons. But you know it and I know it that there are those who use COVID as an easy excuse to not come to church, to not be involved in the body of Christ. Oh, I can go to a game or a football game or I can go here and I can go to a hundred other places. But come Sunday morning, I think I better stay home because we you know that COVID thing. Test yourself. Ask yourself why we're not here. Like I said, I don't have the answer. If I did, I'd be, and I'd be a millionaire now, a billionaire. Every church, here's what you got to do. And we're overflowing again with people. But as we move forward in 2021, I think together we need to encourage our brothers and our sisters to come back. It's not Kyle's responsibility to persuade the two-thirds of our congregation, or up to, well, I would say two-thirds, maybe a third. If Barna's right, a third of us are never coming back. It scares me. It frightens me. Where are you going? It's not Kyle's responsibility. It is our responsibility, all of us, 
Just like we all rose up and prayed for Mandy. We should all rise up and pray that those who've given up on us, checked out, pulled the plug, and that somehow we can get reconnected. I realize this is the church of Jesus. It's his church. But I want to do what's honoring to him. You know, as we get closer to 2021, I want to commit to not coming to church. I want to commit to become the church and to see that. I know that's Kyle's vision. That's his dream. We need to be in prayer for Kyle. Every time he tries to start a new initiative, it gets squished by COVID, by this, by that. I cannot tell you how many times he has tried to start a program, start a ministry, get somebody involved, and it has failed because of external problems. The church is under attack, and we need to pray for him and help him so that this church can get on with the business of being the body of Christ. I just want to thank all of you for your faithfulness. As I look out at the faces, you're here every Sunday. It doesn't matter. And if you're not here, I know you're out doing something in the name of Jesus Christ to make life better for somebody else. And it's such a beautiful thing. If you've ever asked yourself, is it worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for being a part of this body. There's a million other churches you could be at, a million things online, but you've chosen to come here and be a part of this church, and you are faithful. And I love you, and I thank you, and God bless all of you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you again for everybody here who's come out to serve you for no other reason than that they want to be the church, that we realize that this church was purchased with the blood of Christ. And because of that, we need to be here. Father, I hope nobody leaves here feeling disappointed or discouraged. Everyone here should be amazed at your, your church. And everyone should be aware of the power of your church when it comes together in your name. Father, we love you today. We ask that you be with Kyle and bless him on his trip and uh, that he has a great time with his family. Help us to assume responsibility as he comes home to make this the church that you want in this community. Father, we love you today in Jesus' name. Amen. It is good to know that a hundred years ago and thousands of years ago, people were going.